is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, I'm Bran, and I love Hallmark movies. Hey, I'm Panda, and I like Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. And I'm Jen Lilly, and I act in Hallmark movies, and I love, love, love them. (laughs) And this is is the Deck Deck the Hallmark Hallmark Podcast. It's good to be back. What a day. Another day, another interview, another day to just be thankful, you know? That's right. Just thankful, mm, thankful yeah. to hang out with my friends, and thankful to talk to some amazing people. Today it's is a, a great day. day. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big day. day. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this at the end, but you're going to want to listen through the, the whole end podcast. of this interview, because right. there's some exciting stuff uh, to talk about. Uh, but Jen, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to talk to you. I'm so happy to be back. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we've all, we talked to you. Yeah. Um, in the like a little intro before season one, That's and right. then you like sent in something. This is our first real like full interview. I That's feel right. Like, like to talk about everything. Okay. And so I'm very excited. Um, Jen, tell everybody uh, just a little bit about who you are, where you came from, where you're from, and how you got into acting uh, early on. <laughs> oh, I'll try to be brief. I'm not good at brevity. Um, <laughs> My name is Jen Lilly. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, which is not the lost colony. Um, I got into acting in college. People think that all the time. They're like, oh, like, you know, like the lost Roanokers. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, and I got into acting in college because I auditioned for a independent film that was shooting there. And I ended up getting the female lead. And then I fell in love with just the film people. I mean, people in film are just so normal and, and they're creative, but they're not dramatic. And so I just love it. And then um, I graduated college, moved out to Los Angeles, uh, knowing that it was a, a business more than anything and just hit the ground running. And here I am. And I'm very happy to be on Hallmark. Wow. Mm. Fantastic. So, Jen, uh, your filmography on IMDb is peppered with appearances everywhere. Um, you were even had a very small part in a Best Picture winner. Um, you've been yes. on uh, Castle. You've worked with Robin Williams. You've done a lot of things. Um, you also were on a soap opera uh, for <laughs> o- o- over 100 episodes. Um, so yeah. I, I guess my question is, is that, you know, a lot of these actors get to the Hallmark set and it's they're shooting a feature film in 15 days um, and it seems like it's crazy and rushed and they've got all these things to do uh doing a hundred plus episodes on a soap opera where they're filming uh you know double digit pages every single day uh did you just feel just like it was such a natural fit to work at that speed like it seems like you've always you're always spinning 18 different plates so just talk about the comfort level there that is so funny i'm shaking my head the whole time you're asking that question um first of all soaps do triple digits a day to do 150 to 220 days a day, which is more. That is a, that is one to one and a half to two Hallmark movies a day is what you're doing on a film. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so actually, when I got to Hallmark, the directors I've worked with, they would always tell me, I have to learn how to slow you down. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, Hallmark is the speed at which we shoot is a walk in the park compared to soaps. Um, I love soap operas. I really love Hallmark movies. Um, I, Meg Ryan is the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to become an actress. So, nice. 
you know, a la Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, the best duo ever. Um, of so course. I absolutely love it. But no, it's it was definitely comfortable for me to step into it. And I, I was just really I, I can't tell you in appropriate words how much I love being on Hallmark Channel because I just love rom-coms so much. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this. Is there anything before you, I would love to talk about how you found out about Hallmark or got hooked up with them. But before we get there, um, is there something like an audition that's very memorable to you that either um, like something that you were really going after and didn't get or something that fell apart or uh, like anytime we interview an actor, we see these great credentials on their filmography, but there's always some stories about something they almost did or didn't quite work out. Is there anything like that in your background? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, so many more than any, more than I could ever tell you, because I think any working actor would probably say that their batting average for auditions is like 5%, <laughs> you know, maybe. And that would be a really high percentage. Um, of success. So, you know, 95% of the time they're saying no to you. And it's, it's not necessarily my, you know, everybody has giftings. Everybody brings something different to the table. Uh, you're not really competing with other actors. Um, they're just, you know, it might be that you lose something. I lost, uh, last man standing. I was supposed to be, I was testing to do the oldest daughter role in the recast. Hmm. And I ended up not getting it because at the time I wasn't brunette and they wanted a brunette. And it was wow. like, what are you even talking about? And like a month later I was brunette for days of our lives. So, <laughs> you, know, you lose roles for stupid reasons. Um, another time I was up to play Marilyn Monroe in a what? biopic, which yeah, would have changed my life. That would have been a real career changer. Um, but I was unable to do it because I was under contract at Days of Our Lives and they would not let me go film the movie, even wow. though I was not working those three weeks. So that was Wow. That's brutal. Yeah. That's crazy. Man. But, you know, I I totally believe God orders your steps. So, you know, one thing at a time. He didn't so. want you to be in Marilyn Monroe. What can you do? What can you do? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Jen, you were on uh, General Hospital and Days of Our Lives, correct? That is correct. Which is mm-hmm. the which was the better experience? Wow. Days of Our Lives, for sure. Really? Oh, wow. Um, yes, and I'm very open about that. General Hospital, the cast is amazing. Um the crew is amazing. Uh, I am not a fan of the executive producer, and he knows that, and I'm okay with saying that. Um, okay. He would tell me I was so thin when I was on that show. I was 96 pounds, which is way too thin. Good I would get gosh. Out of, mm-hmm, I would get out of the shower, and I would look at myself in the mirror and feel like I looked like a Holocaust victim. But I was so, so stressed out. I was a double zero, and then I would have to go in early for them to alter my clothes in. Like double zero was still falling off of me. Wow. And if I had a love scene or anything like that, he would come up to me and say, make sure you don't drink water today. You don't want to be bloated. Oh, so, uh, this guy should be in jail. Yeah. So that was my, when I got the offer to do Days of Our Lives, I was like, absolutely not. There is no way I'm ever doing another soap opera. Um, I cannot handle that. I like comedy. I don't even, I do like soaps, but, but Days of Our Lives redeemed soaps for me. Wow. Um I love Days of Our Lives so much. They're so wonderful. It's such a family over there that I would go back in a heartbeat. It's just that I have a bunch of kids, you know, because yeah. I have foster care and adoption. And, you know, that's something we'll get into. But I I absolutely love Days of Our Lives. The environment over there, you really do feel like you're with family. I loved my character, Teresa. Um, and I didn't think I was going to do that role because I just could, didn't think I could face 
soap operas again, but that was something that huh. I remember praying about it. I remember saying, no, no, no. And my manager, uh, Mitch, who's so wonderful and balanced, he was like, you know, I'm going to throw your own advice back at you. Why don't you like hang up, take a breath and pray about it? Because I'm always like, I don't have to pray about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. And I, I really, it was one of the clearest times in my life. I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit just tell me that I needed to play Teresa. And um, I remember being like, that doesn't make sense. And there's a, a guy I listen to, his name is Graham Cook. He's amazing. And he says, um, no Lord is an oxymoron, right? Like you can't be Lord of your life. And then you say no to him, but you're, you are allowed to say why. So I remember I was mm. praying and I was like, why, why on earth would you want me to play Teresa? This girl is a coke addict. She is all into the one night stands. Like, how am I supposed to play that? And you know, like, why, what do I say as a Christian? Everybody knows I'm a Christian. And I remember so clear, like it was one of those times of the clearest, clear, clear, clear. He said, cause Teresa is the exact condition of humanity that I died for. And the audience needs to know that there is no pit so deep. My love can't find them still. And you need to play her brokenness and you need to know that she is not beyond redemption. So I was like, okay. So, I mean, I learned a lot from days of our lives and I'm so glad I played her. And I think it gave me a lot of empathy. Wow. I I feel like I've, I've just really gotten it this morning. This is in the best way. This is great. Uh, Jim, (laughs) since, uh, well, what about this? What is the wildest, most ridiculous storyline you've been a part of on Soap Opera? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I know there's a ton. No, I don't even have to think about it. Okay. My baby was stolen out of me while I was pregnant. (laughs) There was a fetal kidnapping. A fetal kidnapping? It was like my my embryo was stolen and put into Eileen Davidson, one of the real housewives who is as lovely as she can be in, in real life, by the way. Uh, and so Kirsten, Kristen Demira stole my baby. I didn't even know I was pregnant. I thought I was pregnant. I woke up. I had a really weird nightmare, like Dr. Kevorkian's working on me. And then I'm back in my bed and then she's pregnant with Brady's baby, but it's my baby. Standard <laughs> fetal kidnapping. I love it. To the We've best all been of. there. Yeah. I, 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 whenever I hear these stories, I'm just jealous of these writers because, you know, part of what uh, right. we, we do is we throw out these ideas. Will it work for a podcast or something like that? But we're not allowed to go come up with those type of ideas. No. I want to dive deeper into the crazy. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Here's what's amazing, guys. Apparently that is biologically possible. Wow. Because I was, I was kind of up and on about it i was like you guys come on and they were like no actually that's amazing be, yeah that's amazing it's like a fertility treatment that apparently people do i was like wow wow, so, wow. You know, that is why you know uh yeah. let, let's uh <laughs> let's dive into hallmark how did you end up getting uh hooked up with them um you you talk about how great that relationship is and how much you um, love those movies and so how did that I relationship begin you know, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I have two theories. I think they're both half correct. Um, one is that I did this amazing movie called The Spirit of Christmas. Um, and at the time, it was for Mar Vista. And then, so it was an independent film that was then going to get sold to either Lifetime, Hallmark, or Netflix. And so Hallmark, Netflix, and Lifetime got in a bidding war. And Lifetime acquired it. But Hallmark was very aware of it that movie did very well and now it airs on Hallmark Movies Now app. Oh, so I don't know cool. how, yeah, I know, it's very interesting. I don't know how the laws work around that as far as distribution, but they figured out a loophole. Um, but I think 
for one, because of the success of that movie, um, and that was my first time playing the lead in a romantic movie, um, it, it got their attention. The other prong that I know is true is that Penny Perry, who is the casting director for all of um, Hallmark movies, she is a fan of Days of Our Lives. Hmm. So how funny is that? You know, that I would play this very not wholesome character and it it got Hallmark's attention. So, um, yeah, that's 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 how I somehow got into Hallmark and I was literally like on the floor crying with joy when they I got the call for my first offer which was Dash of Love and I love that movie so and good. it's still so tender to me. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in what um what it's like for you as an actress to see everything that's going on right now especially in regards to the Christmas movies. How you you know you mentioned there was that bidding war for that movie. There is this this kind of war for the the top of the Christmas made for TV movies with Netflix, Lifetime, uh, Hallmark, Up TV. What is it like as as an actress on these movies to kind of see everything that's going on right now, especially in regards to what's going on in November and December? I think it's very exciting to be on Hallmark because Hallmark Channel does hold the crown for best Christmas movies, um, without a doubt. And everyone is trying to be them. And I think that's a compliment. You know, I think that's a compliment. Just like when you're a teen girl and someone is imitating you, your mom, a good mom will say, you know, flattery is the best compliment. So I think it's a compliment. I'm very excited to be on Hallmark. Um, And one thing I really love about Hallmark Channel in particular is that the actresses are supportive of each other. Hmm. You know, because there's so many Hallmark movies, there's enough to go around. So I don't feel that there is a competitiveness uh, within the actor's in the Hallmark family. I think we're all rooting for each other, which is, you know, does make me feel like days of our lives. I feel like everybody's rooting for each other there. So it was, it's exciting. Cool. Of the Hallmark movies that you've been a part of, what's been your favorite? I know dash of love you mentioned is is one that's very special to you, but what's, what's been your favorite just overall experience? The one that you look back and you're like, man, I am super proud of how this one came out. Um, I'm not sure. They're all so different. Uh, I was really proud of Mingle All the Way uh-huh. um, because that was my first one that I got to help produce. Um, I found that script. Mm. And oh, so cool. that one I was very proud of. Um, but I am very fond of any movie that I've worked with Christy Woolwolf on as director. Um, she and I have done five movies together and she's just incredible and she is really like my sister um i am very 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 close with her on a personal level too and so i love being directed by her and i love female directors so i don't know they're all special to me for different reasons so how many uh hallmark i've got the number at least on screen here how many uh hallmark movies have you been in do you know i think it's nine that is right nine hallmark movies and you've done nine movies in a pretty short amount of time i mean we're talking about i have since 2017 so you know 17 18 19 nine movies is is the goal to do three of these every year that is my goal actually that's so funny that is my goal um and i just had to turn one down which was really sad to me but it was shooting in bulgaria and (laughs) i shot in bulgaria before while i was pregnant um but I, I just don't know how to do that while I'm, I'm still breastfeeding my daughter. And that's a long trip to take her to. And I don't have 
you know, anybody that can go with me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we took so our I kids. Finally, I was like, oh, sorry, guys. Like, I can't do that one. We yeah. took our kids but, to Los Angeles from South yeah, Carolina. And we were like, I'm calling it quits. That's, that's right. Yeah, it was. I, yeah. We thought about not coming home. We were like, I don't want to do that trip again. <laughs> yeah. the, the plane was on the tar- tarmac so and there was no place for us to go. And it was 20 minutes of my kid not understanding why we were still stuck <laughs> in this plane. Um so you yeah, were like a 25 hour trip is a no go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, exactly. not. Do you, uh, you said you filmed in Bulgaria before. Is that for Paris wine and romance or was that for something yes. else? Okay. So how yeah. many, how many days were you actually in Paris for Paris wine and romance? Two. Yeah. 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 Just a quick, a- as told by all the inside shots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll transition away from movies if that's okay and dive into yeah. kind of your life. And one of the things that, um, people, if they follow you on social media, on Instagram, they know, um, your heart for foster care and adoption. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm in, you're actually in the car right now heading to court, um, because of that. And so I'm, I, I want to kind of hear how that all started. Where did that, um, journey begin and kind of where it's taking you over the last, uh, last while? Wow, a loaded question. Um, again, I will try to be brief because, well, we'll get to the fact that I can just go on and on about forever, <laughs> and I hope to. Um, gosh. Um, okay, in short, in the most nutshell-packed version, it would be, first of all, it started that my parents, my dad is a retired judge, and um, my mom was a director of a women and children's charity. And so because of their jobs, they were not able to be formal licensed foster parents because of the conflict of interest legally. Mm. Um, however, because they're very empathetic people, we often had uh, people in need living in and out of our house at any given time. And because of that, I had that door of my heart open to the fact that, you know, it's okay to have people live with you that just need a leg up, you know, Um, So the empathy started there in my childhood. But then as I got older, um, when I was in L.A., I, you know, my constant prayer as a Christian is that my heart would break for what breaks God's heart. Hmm. And I was really into water charities, which is I'm still into. It's a very important cause, clean drinking water. So much of the world does not have clean drinking water. And It kills more people every year than malaria, war, and AIDS combined. So Hmm. it's a huge issue going on in our world, and I don't want to make less of it because it's a a huge passion of mine still. But I remember uh, I was on General Hospital at the time, and once you're on um, any any kind of show and you're kind of being catapulted into, like, maybe you're going to become a celebrity, charities will start to reach out to you and ask you to become ambassadors for them. And um, I just remember getting a lot of requests for different charities. And I remember sitting in my home office, which later became a bedroom for my kids. Um, you know, I just remember sitting there thinking, this is great. Water charities are great. But at the same time, what am I doing, not doing in my own neighborhood? Because I do believe that there's a prayer in the Bible that says, here I am, send me. But I believe that everyone's already been sent. They've already arrived where they are. And so if you're not helping people in your own neighborhood, then it's a stupid prayer to say, here I am, send me. Because you can just wait forever and never be sent. Um, And so I remember thinking, what are the local problems going on in my area? And I started learning about child abuse. And uh, later, Child Help, which is one of the longest, it's the largest and longest running 
uh, nonprofit against child abuse in the United States. They, they've been nominated for nine Nobel Peace Prizes. They're extremely legitimate. They came to me and asked if I would be one of their ambassadors. I humorously did not know who they were and told them to send me their tax uh, <laughs> report. <laughs> I was like, I need all your tax records so that I can like prove that you're legitimate. Of course, they've been nominated for nine, nine Nobel Peace Prizes and they've rescued <laughs> over 11 million children. So I got on board with them real fast and um, I became what's called a special friend, which is very much like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, that's a program they do. And um, Child Health has these villages where they're basically, well, they are, they're live-in rehab facilities for the children that have been the most severely abused in the United States. Um, and it's just so sad. And what they do is, is amazing. And the kids get five forms of therapy. Uh, I can never remember the full five. I know it's gardening. Uh, you know, uh, animal therapy, regular therapy, art therapy, and I think it's music is the other one. And anyway, they really just bring these kids out of the horrific cases that you read in the papers and make them whole human beings again. And they go on and they're successful and they really go and change the world. And so I became a mentor um, to a lot of different kids, but one of my, my, my most special friends, her name is Loria, which I can say because their case is closed now. And uh, for her eighth birthday, I had been mentoring her since she was six. And for her eighth birthday, my husband and I brought her some cupcakes and for her birthday. And I remember she almost started crying, but she's a tough kid because kids that have gone through what she's gone through, they have an, a tough exterior. And she was trying not to cry. And she was looking at the cupcakes. And as an actor, I can just really pick up on, you know, Wendy, what's going on in the subtext of someone's mind by watching their eyes. Cause that's what I do, you know? for my career. And I remember being like, wow, like seeing the walls that were up and how she was just trying really hard not to cry. And she's putting on bravado, but I could know that these cupcakes meant so much to her and she's never had a birthday. And, um, we went to play on the playground and all of a sudden she opened up about her past. The kids about their past. And she was just telling us how scared she was. Um, cause her mom was going to try to get her back. And I had been talking to Jason about foster care for a while in our marriage. It was year seven of marriage. And that was something that I really brought to the table that I was like, look, I just, he didn't want to do foster care because he like 51% of surveyed Americans thought that kids in foster care were criminals. And that's not what they are. They're, they're kids who through no fault of their own have been abused and neglected and are finding themselves as victim of a horrible situation. And they really just need help. And um, so she started talking about her past. And when we got in the car to drive back to Los Angeles from the Children's Village in Beaumont, Jason was like white knuckling the steering wheel. And he is the calmest man you've ever met. Like no one is kinder and calmer in every situation than Jason to the point where like we would fight about it. Like I'd be like, does this not like, you know, like incite you to be so angry, you know, and he was just like, no, like, I was like, why are you not passionate about anything? And he's like, he is passionate, but he's so calm. But the man is white knuckling the steering wheel. He's like, when we get back to Los Angeles, we are taking those foster care classes. And so we tried to get her and we did not get Lariah, but she has a happy ending. I found out while I was in Bulgaria, actually, she called me from Texas. She's back with her grandmother. So, I mean, that was a case where I did not understand why it turned out the way it did and why we weren't able to adopt her. But ended up she's back with grandma. I talked to her yesterday, actually. You know, we still have a relationship. But we got our foster care license for her. And then we got the call from Caden. And so that's how we got into it was, yeah, in a nutshell. Love it. And you've had, uh, how many placements do you have right now or have you had since since your license? Um, when is this podcast going to air? 
Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Okay. So we um, we've had three placements. We've had Caden, baby Jay, his little brother. Um, we had another baby who was a temporary emergency situation where I got a call at 10 at night and the social worker was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, I've tried everyone and it's you or this eight month old goes to a homeless shelter. And I was like, Oh God, I'm setting up the crib right now. Like, what do you need me to do? And she was like, I knew you'd say yes. <laughs> and ended up supposed to be one night and ended up being two weeks. But I worked with the social workers uh, to find a home for him because he was being separated from his brother. So we're mm-hmm. trying to keep siblings together. So that's why he moved on. But we were emergency placement for him. Um, I kept in touch with his mom a bit. And then we just took in um, a 21-year-old who actually just turned 21. She aged out of foster care. Wow. But I haven't told anybody about that yet. <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, when is it there? So <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. Jen, uh, the, the, it's clear you have a heart for this. And I think you know better than most that um, you don't have to be perfect to be a, a foster parent. And also, like, all these kids need is the same everlasting love you would give to your own kid. That, that's all they really need. Yes. Um, but yeah. you, ha- you have a ton of plates spinning. I mean, uh, yeah. you, you are, you're acting, you're singing, you've got foster placements coming in the middle of the night. Um, for, for people, I guess twofold, I want you to encourage people who, who think that they're too busy for foster care, but they're not Jen Lilly who have a hundred things going on and she's still doing it. But also just talk about the, what it takes, I think to, to be the, you can't be super mom all the time. Like what it takes to have a career to have all these things going on and to still say, you know what? I've been equipped to say yes when people are in need and we'll figure the rest out later. Like, can you just expand on that for me? Sure. Um, wow. That's such a loaded question. And it's something learning because I do try to be super mom, you know, I think you should do everything with excellence, but I think at the end of the day, if you're working so hard and I can only speak to that cause I'm a workaholic, if you can't tell, um, <laughs> Talk a little I mean, faster, Jen. You're day, talking too you, slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are you working for? You know, and if I'm working because I want to change the world, which is why I work so hard, then I have to go back to the Mother Teresa quote. She says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm-hmm. And it is so true because your children, um, in Psalm 127.4, it says your children are like arrows in your quiver. And the world what that means is if you want to change the world you know like sharpen your own arrows like you change one child's life in future generations because that child will go forth and change the world you know and it's a effect and i do think that no parent is perfect and these child are not these children are not asking for perfection they're asking for love and what i would say is that we cannot imagine as people who have not gone through foster care or if you have gone through foster care that's a great reason for you to be a foster parent you know pay it forward in the way that maybe you would have wanted to have been treated you know but if if you didn't grow up in foster care which I think is most of us um then you don't understand how much hurt these kids have gone through and all they're wanting is love and all they're wanting is some stability and if you can offer that, and trust me, what you have to offer, if it doesn't seem like it's enough, it's better than what they're being offered. And if your adult side of heart can just take on some of the pain that these kids would otherwise endure, then you've done well. Mm-hmm. Because you, we, are, we as adults 
hopefully by the time you're an adult, you've been given skills to process and cope with your emotions and all of the layers that go into having to deal with foster care. And these kids need attachment and they need your attachment more than you need to protect your own heart. So my opinion is that you need to put on your big girl panties and your big boy pants and saddle up because, you, you know, you cannot keep passing the buck. I don't have time to be a foster parent. I make time to be a foster parent. No parent has time to parent. There's never a good time to parent. Hmm. You know, there's never like you can wait to get pregnant forever, <laughs> you know, or or whatever. Like the parenting journey, it's not convenient. Any parent knows that you can't like plan and think that it's going to turn out. You are kind of always going by the seat of your pants, you know, and that's what foster care is. But if you can just offer attachment and love, then you're going to make such a huge, profound impact on more than just that child, on that child's family, on that child's social workers. These social workers, my God, they almost never see a light at the end of the tunnel. And they have such a thankless job. People don't honor, you know, social workers. If you honor a social worker, you have no many, no idea how many kids you're impacting because maybe that social worker was going to quit. Because mm-hmm. yep. there's a huge turnover. There's mm-hmm. a huge turnover in social workers yep. because they don't get thanked. And they're so exhausted. You know, I might be taking on one foster kid, but no joke in Los Angeles. I know social workers who have 86 cases. Yeah. Open cases, yep. 86 children that yep. they're overseeing, you know, and in Los Angeles alone, it makes up 10% of the kids in, in foster care, wow. 10% are one city. That is embarrassing. That is not okay. And people say, you know, people say they're, you know, why, why if the social worker knows that this child is in an abusive situation, why are they not taken out of that home? And the answer is, well, they're not being physically abused. Yeah, they're being mentally and emotionally abused. And that is horrible. And that's not okay. But the only other option is unless this child is going to physically die, we do not have another option other than homelessness. So they keep them there. And that's not okay. That's why people need to stand up and be foster parents because there's just not enough homes. And if there were enough homes to house these kids, then the system would change. Yeah. Um, Nailed it. You you are. We said you're spinning a lot of plates. You're about yeah, to. Unbelievable. You're about to start spinning another one. We're excited about this announcement that you're about yeah. to make. Um, but I think the the beauty of this announcement is that a lot of people are maybe listening to this and are like, I want to get involved but I don't know what to do. I need some encouragement. And I think that's the beauty of what you're about to talk about. So go ahead, announce this new plate uh, that you're getting ready to spend because we're excited about it. This is going to be one of my favorite plates that I've ever spun, (laughs) I will say, Um, because my whole purpose for being an actor, even though it's my passion and singing and all of that, is to bring light on foster care and orphans and the crisis that's going on. Um, and to rally other people, good people. And I think that the Hallmark audience is the best all audience to, to rally together to be foster parents because if you like Hallmark Channel, that tells me that you're probably a good person who appreciates values and love and happy endings. So, uh, yes, the, the lovely trio of men at Deck the Hallmark have made my wildest dreams come true and have asked me to do a podcast on foster care, which no joke was on my to-do list for years. And they're going to help me facilitate it and learn how, but we are going to launch a podcast called fostering hope. And the first episode will air on April 6th, which is very, very exciting. I'll be interviewing um, founders of child help, people who are social workers, uh, former foster children. I will be interviewing foster parents. You're going to be getting every perspective from foster care so that we can really unpack what it is, what it looks like, 
how you become a foster parent, how if you can't become a foster parent, how you can rally around foster parents and offer them support, maybe how you could become a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate for a child in need. There are so many ways that you can get involved. So I'm really, really excited to on this journey well that's awesome we cannot tell you how excited we are jen one quick note you do have to go to bulgaria in order to record these uh, episodes it's very important that's part of the process yeah (laughs) we had all the equipment shipped to bulgaria that's right nothing we could do about it they gave us some tax breaks Jen, we oh, couldn't. T- we can't tell you how excited we are about this uh, this partnership and this journey. Uh, it's evident to anyone listening how passionate you are about this and how much it means to you. And we w- here, even even though I can be a little sarcastic and smarmy from time to time, like we want to bring joy to others. That's what we want to do. And like it's clear that there's joy in your heart. And we're excited uh, to have Fostering Hope yeah. as part of our network. And truthfully, and- as we kind of talked about shows that we wanted to launch this year, you were the first person we called. That's right. Uh, because we, one, we care about this, but two, we just think that you're the perfect voice um, to not just give people knowledge, but to encourage people that are in the, the thick of it. And so we're really excited about it um, and excited for you to, to, to start it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Very excited. Um, awesome. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll, end, we'll, we'll do a, a quick rapid fire. Um, but before that, um, uh, tell people how they can follow you on social media so they can find out more about the podcast and when it's starting and where they can listen and all that good stuff. Um, my main social media outletism is Instagram. And I am on there mainly because there is such a huge foster care community there. Uh, my name on Instagram or my handle is at Jen, J-E-N underscore Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y. It's the same at Twitter, Jen underscore Lily. It's uh, facebook.com backslash uh, Jen Lily official. And then jenlily.com is my website um, for Fantastic. Oh, Jen Lily YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash the Jen Lily. I love Got it. Got it. I love it. And of course, we'll be putting out more information about how you can listen when it launches in April. And you'll be able to listen to the first episode here on our feed and all that wonderful stuff. And so lots of ways for you to, to, to tune in. Um, and so let's do a quick rapid fire. I know that you're about to pull up to your uh, to, to, to court. And so we'll make this quick. This is we a like, tradition, Jen. We do it with every guest. So we I have know, to do it with I'm you. I'm so glad to be doing this on court day. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, in the car, just sweating. Awesome. Uh, Dan? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what is it? Is there anything about Virginia that you missed that you just can't find in Los Angeles? Biscuits. Yes, mm. that's the right answer, Jen. Mm. <laughs> uh, best book you've recently read? Um, the Bible. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the movie that makes you cry the hardest? Jen? Lovey and Rose. Lovey and Rose. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a full movie. It's a great movie. Um, Dream director to work for, Jen. Oh, my goodness. Um, um, James Mangold. Oh, James Mangold. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's great. That's a good one. Uh, Best meal you've ever eaten. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Um, Probably my dad's steak with my mom's mashed potatoes and whatever side. But I'm here for the steak and potatoes. Mm. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Worst childhood um, injury that you had? I 
got my chin split open because my older brother Michael pushed me down. <laughs> wow. Um, best Hallmark movie that you've seen that you're not in. Ooh. Ooh. Oh no. Um, <laughs> um, Christmas under the stars. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. It's a, a good, good one. one. And she's a foster parent in it. Thank you. I love it. Yes, she is. You're right. That's true. On Reeser. Uh, Halloween costume, the best Halloween costume and the worst Halloween costume you've ever worn. The best <laughs> Um, no well, you know, I grew up Catholic, and so I went to Catholic school until I was nine. So we always had to be Bible characters. So I was married <laughs> a lot, um, and I hated it because it was like, I got to be married again. <laughs> Just married, you know? Um, and then <laughs> uh, to that point, I, I was a huge fan of Cinderella. Surprise, surprise. Uh, as most little girls are. And so I was also Cinderella year after year. Uh, and I was I was down for seeing Cinderella year after year, but I was just so sad to be Virgin Mary again. <laughs> <laughs> That's I tough sledding. I love it. Yeah. Um, we didn't get to talk about your uh, your music career, and so I'll end with this question: Your favorite song that you have ever uh, recorded and released into the world, or not released yet? I don't ah. know. I love Last Goodbye. Last um, Goodbye. Got it. But maybe Street Where You Live, which is the first song on the album, which I have not released yet. Ooh. It is so pumping. It makes you like jazz. So good. I like it. I love it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your early, early morning in California. We wish you all the best uh, in in court and throughout your day. Thank you. And we can't wait to talk with you further. And we're excited about this new venture. Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. You got it. And we always end every interview <laughs> in this very special way, especially in February, with a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Deck the Hallmark is a Bramble Jam podcast presented by Friendly TV. It's produced by Brandon Gray and recorded live in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina at the flagship property studios on East Coffee Street. For more information, go to deckthehallmark.com.